Alright, well we're going to go to Psalms chapter 51 tonight. I've got a frog in my throat. Psalms chapter 51. And this is a pretty familiar passage of Scripture. This, uh, You remember David? He committed the sin with Bathsheba. He uh, tried to cover it up. And he had Uriah murdered just to try to hide the sin that he had committed. And of course, the Bible says the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. God was very upset with David. And David, he was really fine until the prophet Nathan came up to him and said, Thou art the man. And after he got confronted with it, uh, then all of a sudden now David, he realizes that he's done wrong. He realizes that he's made a huge mistake. And David, I believe that he was sincere here when he wrote this psalm, Psalm chapter 51. This was what he was feeling. And this was after, uh, it says, to the chief musician, the psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. So uh, that's what uh, inspired this psalm after David got the finger in the face. said, Thou art the man. And he realized, I've done wrong here. And he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of Thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against Thee and Thee only have I sinned and done this evil in Thy sight, that Thou mightest be justified when Thou speakest and clear when Thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Thy presence, and take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of Thy salvation, and uphold me with Thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors Thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto Thee. I'm going to stop right there. And tonight what I want to talk about is the cleansing process that we go through as Christians. Notice how David in verse 2 said, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. Let me ask you a question. Was David getting saved right here? Thank you very much. I was just kind of thinking along those lines. Bless your heart. Alright. When he said that, was he getting saved right here? No. But he was asking for cleansing, wasn't he? But isn't that what we do when we get saved? We're asking for Jesus Christ to cleanse us from our sins. Why is David asking this question again? Notice in verse 7, he says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. A lot of times we sing songs about the blood of Christ and how it cleanses us from sin, how it washes us and makes us whiter than snow. Lord, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. We sing that song. Many times we use these verses when referring to salvation. But it's clear here that David is not asking for salvation. In fact, we see that he says in verse 12, restore unto me not my salvation, but the joy of thy salvation. 
You know, the truth is, as Christians, we can't lose our salvation, but you can definitely lose the joy of it if you start living like a lost person again. You're not going to be able to enjoy being saved. And notice also the statement that David makes in here in verse 8, where he says, "...make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice." Now really, what has God even done to David at this point? Now we know that David paid fourfold for what he had done. The uh, God, Nathan, uh, David pretty much condemned himself when Nathan gave him the parable or a story of a man who just stole someone's sheep, and David said that man's going to pay fourfold. And then Nathan said, "Thou art the man," and he basically told him, "You've pretty much condemned yourself. You're going to pay fourfold." And it wasn't long after that that. Um, Amnon committed the sin with his sister Tamar. After that, Absalom ended up killing Amnon. Absalom ended up leading a rebellion against David. Absalom ended up being killed. Uh, David's child that was conceived because of his sin with Bathsheba ended up dying. All these things happened because of what David had done. But this is before that. But he's saying the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Okay, I mean, what David did caused him great pain. And it definitely really dirtied him up bad. And as Christians, we know that our sins have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. When you got saved, that took care of your eternal soul. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. He will give you victory over the flesh. And if you've washed, if you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb... When you stand before God on Judgment Day, you'll be standing there clean because of what Christ did. The blood of salvation, that took care of our eternal destiny. But while we're here on this earth, we still need cleansing sometimes. In fact, we need it pretty regular, just like we need baths pretty regular. I mean, what happens if you go a few days without a bath, especially in weeks like we just had? I found out very easily when Jason was at football camp, he did not take very many showers on the way home. It was pretty bad. <laughs> and I was like, Jason, what in the world? And I, I, I had to get him because I mean, it was it was obvious he smelled. He took some shower that week, but you need it pretty regular. And you know what? The same thing applies as Christians. If we need cleansing. Regularly from God. Not salvation, but we need cleansing. We live in a dirty world. You can go and take a shower tonight, and it's you can go and stay in an air-conditioned house and not do anything for a day or two. You don't have to sweat. You don't have to go outside and get dirty. But you're still going to start to stink pretty soon, aren't you? Why? Because this body, this world we live in, there's just stuff out there that attaches itself to us. There's stuff that just comes from inside of us, and we'll start to stink before too long. If you ever, I mean, just to kind of give you an idea of what's our atmosphere and our air is like, you know, just go take a bite out of an apple sometime, and then set it there for a little while, and you can almost watch that white turn color, just because there's harmful things out there that, and it's just easy to get dirty in this world, and it's the same thing with all the sin that's in this world. You can't help but get dirty sometimes. And we regularly need cleansing. Just because you've been saved, that doesn't mean you can't get dirty spiritually 
here on this earth. And this also, uh, just because you've been saved and uh, you've been cleansed, God still wants you to be physically and He wants you to be morally clean. And as parents, it's kind of up to you at first with your kids to see that they're clean. I mean, kids when they're little, sometimes they like to take baths, but some don't. And you've got to watch. You've got to make sure. You've got to kind of inspect things. You've got to make sure they're brushing their teeth right and that they're washing themselves right and making sure that, that they are clean. And then hopefully, you know, eventually they're going to get to that age where they're just going to do it on their own. Sometimes it takes a while. I've known some teenagers and even some adults that haven't figured out how to wash themselves. Sometimes you just go out in public and you see folks and you, you smell them. And it's just like, has anybody ever told them about the wonders of deodorant. Has anybody ever, you know, told them about the wonders of of water and soap? You know, it's not real expensive, and so people have no idea. They don't know how to practice good hygiene. And our, but our heavenly Father, He wants us to be clean on this earth, and He's going to see to it that we are. And so, how does God keep us clean? What what is the cleansing process? That he uses. Well, the first thing that God does to keep us clean is he uses his word and the Holy Spirit. Psalms chapter 32 and verse 8. Psalms 32 and verse 8. He says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. It's, okay, as parents, when your kids are little, you have to start teaching them things. Okay, you have to. Uh, this verse has been applied. I remember one time uh, for a gag, if my dad bought somebody uh, a potty chair, and he wrote this verse on there: "I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go." Uh, and as parents, you have to do that, don't you? You have to kind of instruct your kids, and you have to teach them. That, hey, you know, whenever you start to feel the urge, you go to a toilet, and you have to teach them how to flush the toilet, and you have to teach them how to clean themselves up afterwards, because you want them to learn how to do it on their own. I tell, you, I thank the Lord that all my kids right now are potty trained. It's been that way now for over a year, and it's like, man, we're gonna have to start that process all over again. We're gonna to have to go back to buying diapers, but then you know what? We're gonna teach. We're gonna teach the next one on how to do those things, and you instruct them, and that's what God does to us through His Word. He gives us the instructions. He tells us, "Hey, this is how you do it. This is how you raise your kids. This is how you have a good marriage. This is how you know you everything. This is how you start a church. This is how you." Be a good church member. This is how you handle your finances. This is how... It's all there in the Scriptures. I mean, where it's not spelled out, the principles are there all over in the Scriptures. He shows us how to do that. He explains it to us. And you've all been there before with your children. You've tried to explain to them how to do something. But notice also He says that I will guide thee with mine eye. What that's talking about, you may have done that before with your kids where you've told them how to do something and they'll be there trying to do what you told them to do and they'll get to a point where they're not real sure what to do. And what do they do? They look at you. And they're just trying, they're wanting to see your facial expression. And maybe sometimes they're doing something they're not supposed to do. And they'll kind of look and you just, you give them that dirty look. And they stop. They back off. Sometimes you know they'll look and 
If you're not paying attention, then they'll go on and do it. But you know, the Lord's always paying attention. And He's watching, and sometimes you know, He gives you that dirty look, and He does that through the Holy Spirit. A newly saved person, many times, they will be doing something they shouldn't do, and the Holy Spirit convicts them. They might not even know the Scripture concerning it, but something inside them says, hey, don't do that. Stay away from that. And many times what happens is we just start ignoring that. We can become callous and desensitized where the Holy Spirit, He can't just guide us. God can't guide us with His eye anymore. But that's what God wants to do. He wants to instruct us through His Word. That's how He wants to cleanse us. We can, uh, there's many Scriptures about how, you know, the Word of God, how it can cleanse us and how it can make us clean. And it's so important that we read our Bibles regularly and that we go to the Scriptures for instruction on what to do. They will keep us clean. They will keep us pure. They will make sure that we do things right, that we don't end up in a big, dirty mess. And that's what—that's the best way to do it, to just follow the instructions. For children, uh, when they're growing up, that's the best when you have a situation where as a parent you give the instructions on what to do and they follow those instructions. They do what you tell them. And then that guiding with the eye. When all it takes is a look. My kids have been there before when they were little. Uh, you know, where you just give them a dirty look and that's all it took. You know, I think it was Alice. She was pretty sensitive to that when she was little. I mean, I could just say, you know, no in a deep, negative-sounding voice and give her a dirty look, and sometimes I make her start crying. I mean, you don't—you didn't even have to do much. And then sometimes as they get older, unfortunately, that's not enough anymore. Unfortunately, they learn to ignore that. But God, He wants—he instructs first. He tells us how to do it in the Scripture. And then He reproves next. And the reproof, that's where He tells you what you've done wrong and He shows you what you've done wrong and why it was wrong. And then after that, He rebukes. You've done that with your kids. Hey, don't do this. They do it. Explain, listen, this is why we've told you not to do this. This is what happens when you disobey. And then they do it again. And now it's time to rebuke. Now it's time to use, you know, maybe a sterner tone. Maybe use harsher words. Say, hey, you have messed up. And that's what God does with us too. And He does this through His Word and through the Holy Spirit. But just like children, the verbal instructions, the guiding with the eye is not always enough. The same thing applies in the Christian life. That's not always enough. Just God speaking through His Word and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes what God has to do... Now, I'm not recommending anybody does this to their kids. Because this is figuratively, not literally. But you know what He does to us? He puts us through the fire. Whoa! That sounds pretty harsh. Why does He do that? Well, Job chapter 23, verse 10, you don't have to turn there. But I like what Job says, "...but He knoweth the way that I take, and when He hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. What was he talking about there? Well, with gold, that one of the things they do for that pure gold is they put it through the fire. They burn it. They melt it. And you know what it does? All the impurities and things that are in that gold will burn away and will disappear and they can have pure gold. And sometimes what God has to do, because we get so dirty, He's got to take more drastic measures and we've got to go through the fire. 
We've got to suffer a little bit. We've got to go through some hard times. And those hard times sometimes are what make people great Christians. Those difficulties are sometimes what gets people to that next point where they can really do something great for God and really God can use them in a great way. God wants to use clean vessels. Just like we like to use clean dishes. You don't want to go and use a dish that's and eat ice cream out of a bowl that somebody's just eaten spaghetti in that hasn't been washed. I mean, that would just be disgusting. That would that would be gross. And you, you got unless you wash it first. And boy, some dishes you get on there. I mean, it takes a lot to wash those things. You've got to use hot water, really hot, and soap, and you got to scrub those things to get it to get it out. And sometimes we get so dirty. I mean, God, He's got to put us through the fire to get rid of those impurities. Fire is something that they you know they've used before on on needles and things before they you know they're going to sew somebody up. You know, they're out in the woods and they got to maybe cut open a wound or something. You know, you got to doctor yourself up the the tough way, and they they use fire a lot of times. Make sure they kill all the germs on whatever it is that they're using because that fire, it gets rid of bad things. You know, I was thinking when I was studying for this, I got to thinking about it. And I thought, I wonder if that's why the lost spend eternity in hell. Because that's how long it's going to take to burn away the impurities of sin. It's going to just take all eternity. Because it's so we're in so deep. It's so wrong. And that fire, it will burn away impurities. Many people that have gotten saved, they got saved while at a very low point, while they were suffering in a great way. And that fire they went through, God got them to the point where they saw Christ. Many Christians who backslid on God before they were willing to get right, God had to put them through a difficult fire. Sometimes there's been Christians who were not backslidden who were doing something for God, but the Lord put them through a fire just to cleanse them so He could use them in a greater way. Some of the best Christians I know, I've seen the Lord has put them through some difficult fires. I think about the Green family. Pastor Don Green up in Michigan, he's got six kids, I believe, that are in all the ministry. I think two of them now have gone to heaven. But um, that family, they got a book called He's Everything He Claims to Be and More. And a great book. And just every one of them in that family, I mean, what they've been through some horrible trials, some difficult fires, a good family. I mean, a, a pure and clean family that serves the Lord. And they've been through so many things. And you look at that and think, why? But you know what? God's been able to use them in a great way. And that fire, I think, is what it took to make them, be able to make them the vessels that they need to be for God. So God can use them in a great way, and He has. God has blessed that family in many ways too. But they've been through the fire. But it does. It gets rid of the impurities in our life. It'll make us stronger. It'll make us better Christians. We don't like the fire. It's not a pleasant thing. It's not something that we enjoy. Job didn't enjoy what he was going through. But he said, He knoweth the way that I take. God knows what I'm going through. He knows what I'm facing. And when He hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I'll be something pure. I'll be something clean that is a vessel of honor to God. And that ought to be the desire in our life. I know none of you in here want to ask to go through fires, but it ought to be the desire of our heart that we would be clean Christians. 
That we would be pure Christians so God could use us in a greater way. I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons that we're not having revival in this country is just not talking about the world, but God's people are so filthy anymore. They're so impure. And I think it's going to... We might have to go. The Lord might have to put us through a great fire before He can use us to bring revival. And how He's going to do that, I don't know. That's why I'd like to just do my best to follow, do the instruction part. Try to get clean through that. Let Him guide me with His eye. But if we start ignoring that, if we get used to ignoring that, then that's all it's going to take. Just with, like with kids. With all them, there was a time when just, boy, a, a tough no was all it took to just melt them. But then, later on, you got to get a little rougher, don't you? And it's kind of human nature. And we're the same way with God. And we've got to watch that. So God, he first He uses His Word and the Holy Spirit to cleanse us. Then He puts us... Sometimes He puts us through the fire. And another one that's interesting, sometimes He beats sin out of us. It's like, what? What are you talking about? Well, go to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 it says, Behold, I will send My messenger and he shall prepare the way before Me. That's talking about John the Baptist. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to His temple, even the messenger of the covenant, talking about Jesus Christ, whom ye delight in. Behold, He shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of His coming? And who shall stand when He appeareth? For He is like a refiner's fire, that's what we were talking about before, and a fuller's soap. A fuller's soap. I looked that up. I was like, what's that talking about with a, a fuller's soap? But uh, it talks about um, to trample, hence to wash uh, properly by stamping with the feet, whether literal, including the, the fulling process or figurative, fuller washing. What this is kind of talking about, you know, back in the old days, one of the things that they would do to clean up their clothes is they would, you know, take them down to the river and they would sometimes beat those things on a rock. Have you ever done that before? Maybe you took a rug or something outside and you hung it up and you just started beating it and dust just started flying everywhere. I remember one time I was so dirty I was wearing a dirty pair of jeans and I remember my mom gave me a whooping and dust. <laughs> I, was, I was that dirty. And uh, you know that was cleansing me in more ways than one right there. But that, uh, that's, that's kind of what it's talking about. You know, beating something. You've probably done that Cleaning something before we, you just had to beat the dust out of it, and it just and sometimes too with those rugs and things like you can just beat them and beat them, and the dust just never stops coming. You ever done that with a, or a chair? You can just you know you'll hit that chair and you'll see the dust go flying everywhere. You've all you all been there before, unless your houses are just so clean you know you never had dust. But it's it's just the way it is, and it's all over. And it's Jesus Christ is saying He's like that refiner's fire or that fuller's soap. Something that's used for cleansing. That's why Jesus came. He came to cleanse us from our sins. And it's not always an easy process. Salvation. Salvation of our soul. That part's easy for us. Jesus Christ did the hard part when He died on the cross. But we've got to admit that after you got saved, that cleansing of your physical body wasn't always the easiest thing in the world. 
That sometimes it was very difficult making those adjustments. Giving up some of those sins that you were involved in before, it may have been very difficult. It may have even been very painful. But you know what? That's, that's that cleansing process. And it's good for you. It's needed. The truth is, pain, it's a very strong motivator. It is. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom his father chasteneth not? Hey, if you belong to God, He's going to chasten you. He's going to scourge you. Why? Because pain's a strong motivator. Pain, it gets a message across that sometimes words alone won't get across. Sometimes we need that pain. It, it's a good reminder whenever we're about to do something and we think about that pain we had. Think about when I got shocked over here the other day. Who all heard that scream I did? I've tried to do that scream again and I can't do it. I, I was up here messing with those outlets and I did something. I got shocked and it was not on purpose. You know, you can't fake anything when you get shocked, but I screamed and it was a, it was a weird scream. I, I don't know where it came from, but it just, I've always laughed at people whenever they're getting tased. You know, he says there's people getting tased and they scream like little girls. I mean, a tough guy will scream like a little girl. Well, now I know why. I mean, just that little shock I got from the outlet, it was, it almost sounded like a Lou Costello scream that he would do sometimes. It was, I used to try to imitate, but I don't know. I almost wish I could have had that recorded because that was a pretty impressive sound, but, uh, but you know what? I was very careful after that. Because I didn't want to experience that pain again. Now you think about those times where you've done something that caused you a lot of pain and you always remember. And you're very careful. And sometimes, you know, why are you so worried about this? And then you tell them about that time when you experienced that severe pain and it reminds you, don't ever do that again. And that's why we use chastening and scourging I think that's why the Lord created the behind. It's a good spot where it can take a lot of pain that won't do any permanent damage, and you know it'll. And sometimes we need that pain, but you don't want to permanently damage somebody, and and it doesn't. I mean, if it did, I'd, I'd be in big trouble because my parents they uh, they took they used chastening quite a bit, but pain is a strong it's a strong motivator. Um, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. I want you to look at this verse. Proverbs 13 and verse 24. I thought I had it written down. It says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Now, that verse there, that's one that a lot of people have a tough time with. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. Because there's a lot of people who don't spank their kids that don't hate their kids. And they will say, I don't hate my kids, but I don't do that. This isn't saying that you have a feeling of hatred in your heart towards your child. But this is talking about an act of hatred. Just like if I was to go and steal, be stealing from you. Well, that's a terrible thing to do. I'm hating you with my actions. 
Uh, or if I was to go and slash your tires, if I was to do something like that to you, I'm hating you. I'm causing problems for you. I'm making your life more difficult. The verse that the Calvinists like to use in the Bible, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. What that's saying is I've loved Jacob. I've done good to Jacob. I've, I've done loving things to, ja- to Jacob. But Esau, Esau was somebody who was not seeking after God like Jacob. And God had done evil to Esau. God had done a lot of bad things to happen with Esau. And when a father spares that rod from his son, when he does not chasten him, what he is doing is the same as a, it's a hateful act to do your child. And the Bible says, talks about you know a father chasteneth his son in whom he delighteth. Hey, I, I love this kid. He gives me pleasure. I want the best for him. So I'm going to do what I have to do to so he can have the best life possible. And they use that chastening. And God does that because it cleanses us. God is showing His love for us when He does that. And it sounds crazy, just like your kids. You know, they think it's crazy when you tell them you're loving them when they're being punished at the same time. But it says, He that fareth the rod hateth his son. You are doing a hate like You might not feel hatred towards your child. But you know what? You can say you love your kid all you want. But if you're doing things to harm your child, I'm going to kind of wonder about that a little bit. If you're I mean, just allowing garbage into their life, you can say you love them, but I'm kind of wondering about that a little bit. These parents who say they love their children and they just spoil them rotten, give them everything they want, buy them all the, these things that they get themselves in trouble with, give them money all the time so they can go out and party with their friends. And they say they love their children, I wonder about that a little bit. That doesn't sound real loving to me. In fact, that I would call that hating a little bit. And it says, "But he that loveth him chasteneth him be times." I looked up that word. That basically means he'll do it early. You know, it's something you got to start early. And this is talking about a son here, especially with boys. I mean, they just they need it early on. They're, they just start off. Bad, and it's just uh, it's what the Bible says. He he'll do it. B times you're going to do it early. Ah, well, I'll, I'll wait and start when he's twelve. Might be too late then. You know, hopefully you're going to be almost done by then. They they will they will have learned, and we you've got to do it early. That's what the Bible says, and that's what God does to us. You know, when you get saved, it doesn't take long. In fact, you become God's child pretty quick. You're going to start feeling the chastening hand of God. I've always been scared to death at the thought of adopting a child because many times you get these social workers and things involved, and boy, they just hover over you like crazy. And it's like, you know, if this becomes my child, I'm going to love them like my child. I'm going to treat them like my child. I'm going to want them to turn out like I would want one of my biological children to turn out. Therefore, I'm going to need to do what the Bible says to do. And many times, they make it very difficult. And I'm not even going to try to raise a child that I can't raise according to the Scriptures. I just, I'd be getting myself in trouble. I'm not going to help the poor kid out. And God loves us, so He does that. Sometimes He's got to just beat sin 
out of us. It's a strong motivator. He starts on us early, but there's a goal in mind. There's something that God's hoping to accomplish. And we see that. This is a well-known passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Romans 8 verse 28. And it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. God's trying to make us like Christ. That's the goal. Hey, whom he, that, That's God's goal. You're saved. You are. It has been God's plan from before the foundation of the world to have a people like His Son. And He's going to make you like that. He's going to do what He's got to do. He'll put you through the fire. He'll put you... He'll beat you like laundry if he if he has to. I mean he'll hang you up on the line and, and beat you with a rod like you would a rug to get the dust and the dirt out of your life because he wants to make you like his son and to think and think about it, like God wouldn't do that. The Bible says he who spared not his own son do you really think for one minute I was I don't care how much Joel Osteen you listen to, I don't care how much Rick Warren you've read do you really think that God would let His own Son innocently die on a cross and take that beating that He took for our eternal souls and not let you get chastened a little bit? I think you're crazy if you think that. I think you're not reading the same Bible that I'm reading. I don't think you're worshiping the same God that I'm worshiping if you think that that is... The goal, and if God spared not His own Son, if God, Bible talks about if God who spared not the angels who sinned, God cast them out of heaven. Listen, God takes this sin stuff very, very serious. And if you were His child, you're on His watch list. I've been in public before, and I've seen kids that stunk. They didn't just, I mean, stink. They stank. There's a difference. <laughs> they stink. I don't go and try to clean them up. They're not mine. I'm not. I'm not going to deal with that. I, I almost kind of enjoy it sometimes. It's kind of a comforting feeling when you're out in public and hear kids screaming. And boy, that you know that kid needs whooped bad. But it's like that's not my problem. <laughs> that's not my child. And that's that's somebody else's problem right there. It's kind of a good feeling. And but we are God's children, and but and if we're, you're His child, you're going to receive chastening. It's like, well, the Lord's never punished me for anything. Well, go read Hebrews twelve eight. I'm not going to read that one, but read Hebrews twelve eight. It's pretty strong on how it words people who are without chastisement. I don't want to offend anybody, but that's just it's just Bible. Hebrews twelve eight. I encourage you to read that sometime. But you know, those who have been through the fire, they have more character many times than those who haven't. There, and you know what? There's also those out there who are more like Christ than others. And many people who don't have character, they act like character sometimes. It's this gift. Oh, I sure wish I could be like you. I wish I could, you know, 
I wish I didn't have problems with that sin. I wish I was able to, you know, live that type of lifestyle. You know, wow, that's just that's great that you do that. That's great that you don't do that. But you don't understand me. I have to do this sin. I have to. I I can't help it. I can't go to church. I can't. Oh, so you just think the Lord just magically made me like this? No. I had to go through the fire. I had to get beat. I had like a I mean he was like a like a fuller like a fuller soap. It's not an easy process, but it is a necessary process and it is a rewarding process. You know, there's nothing that feels better after a day when you've just gotten dirty. You've been out, you you've been sweating, you're dirty, you stank. I mean you just stank something awful. And you go and you just you take that shower and you get all cleansed, you get out, you wear, put on some clean clothes, it feels good. It just feels good to be clean like that. And the Lord, he'll, when He gets you to that point, you're going to like it. You're going to enjoy it. And you're going to want to stay that way. But if we're not careful, we can get used to being dirty. I've been in some horribly nasty smelling houses that you literally... I'm, I'm, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but there's this house we used to go to and pick this fellow up, ride the bus, and you could see the smell. You could feel it. I mean, he would open the door and it would just, the smell would just hit you. I mean, you could physically feel it touch your face. I mean, it was like you could see it. I mean, that might be that, but that's what it felt like when you were there. And we'd just go up there and I think, you know, please be at the door ready to walk up. Please be at the door. Yeah, so I have to go up there and knock on the door and the door open. Don't breathe. But even if you didn't breathe, you could feel it. I mean, it just you could see it. And it was it was just horrible how bad it smelled. I remember you went and moved into a new house. And I went I went there to visit him and it didn't smell. I'm like, oh man, this isn't bad. I visited with him for a while, it wasn't bad. A couple months later went back there. Same smell. I mean, it was just as bad. He, uh, whatever it was that caused it, he brought it back. That was horrible. But he didn't care. He was used to it. And we can get used to living in sin. We can get used to living dirty. And God does not want that. You know, my wife. It's good. You know, she's a lot more picky about cleanliness than I am. And there's just some things that I won't even notice that will just drive her crazy. And you know, like she mice said, I live in a house with a cat. I'm not a big fan of cats. I talk about throwing our cat in the river all the time, and I haven't done it yet. But the main reason, the only reason we have a cat, is because it is not pleasant living in a house with my wife and mice. It's just not pleasant. And if cats will help keep the mice away, then that's what we got to do. It doesn't bother me as long as they're not crawling on me. I don't care. You know, I don't get that worried about bugs and stuff. She does. It's horrible. And just drive you crazy. And you know what? God's a lot pickier than we are about spiritual cleanliness. And if we might not care, your kids might not care if they're not brushing their teeth, if their breath stinks, if their teeth are turning colors. Sometimes they just don't care. There's a parent. He's like, alright, I'm going to make you. Whenever I've had to brush my kids' teeth, I try to make sure it's an unpleasant experience. So they'll want to do it themselves instead of having me help them. Because I don't want to do it. But it's got to be done. 
And God doesn't want to be doing these things to us. It's not pleasant for Him, but it's got to be done so we can start doing it by ourselves. Just because you're saved doesn't mean, alright, I'm good. I don't ever have to worry about cleansing. We need to think about cleansing every single day. And do it ourselves so God doesn't have to do it for you. And so with that, let's stand together.